Let me just do that. Okay. Hi, this is Charlie Peck. This is the Thriving Educator Podcast. It's formerly the Thriving School Community Podcast, but listen, our focus on improving your school mental health system has to start with us, the educators, the adults who surround our youth. So I'm Charlie Peck, keynote speaker and school mental health consultant. And you can just check out how I'll support your school mental health initiatives at thriving, uh, thrivingeducator.org. Now let's just get to our guest. Listen, we've got Suzanne Daly. She's an instructional coach, but well beyond that, Suzanne, you're an author, a blogger, a speaker, keynote speaker. You've done it all. All right. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you. It's so fun to be on the other side of this podcast. I've been a longtime listener. Yes. Well, thank you so much for that. But also we need to tell people about your podcast because it's awesome what you do for people and giving them little snippets that they can actually walk away with and use immediately. And you know, that's what we're all about here. So tell everybody about that and where they can listen to your podcast. Oh, thank you. So it's called the Teach Happier Podcast. And we always like to say at the beginning, the, the goal is to get into the healthiest headspace and heart space for our upcoming week working in schools, whatever our important role may be. So they're about five to seven minutes. They drop on Sunday nights when we get those Sunday scaries. And it sounds like most listeners listen to it on their way to work on Monday, just to kind of get into a, in a, to a good space. So we like to make a little invitation. It's a small shift in our thoughts or language or actions so that we can do really good work for our kids at school and also our people at home. Yeah, it's important that you address that at the right time because that's true, that Sunday. All right, let's talk about that Sunday night because educators and educational leaders are listening to this. And as an instructional coach, you're the one who goes in and supports those teachers especially in the elementary level. I know that's that's where you, you are, but this all applies, of course, to middle school and high school. So what is that Sunday night like? Like when you're talking to teachers, what, what do they say about that? Well, isn't it funny? Because I think that most of us as students, before we became educators, had those Sunday night scaries. And now it's just a different level of scary <laughs> being the adult in charge. So, you know, we can get into our head and into our hearts and, and start worrying and planning and thinking, oh, am I ready for fill in the blank? And that's not because we're doing our work wrong. I actually think it's because we're doing it right. And we are focusing in on the right things, the people in front of us, our students, our colleagues, our family at home. And so in order to do a really great job with that, we want to be all in. And that takes effort and energy and time and thought and care. And so that can get us a little nervous on Sundays. And so we need just a little reminder sometimes of how we can make what I like to call just a two degree shift. Um, we don't have the capacity for a 180 degree anything. So a nice two degree shift in thought, language, or actions is something that can be a bit more attainable for us before we begin our important work at school. Okay. That is so important, Suzanne. So that Anybody who listens to this knows that we have to infuse mental health practices right into our everyday tasks, everything that we're already doing, because we can't have those big overhauls. We don't have the time, the energy, the capacity, any of that. And so it, and that's why I brought you on this show, because I know you can give people ideas of how they can actually implement that. So it starts with, all right, we're doing everything right. We're doing most things right. We're thinking about our kids. We're thinking about how we're going to show up for them. So how do you address that with the people that you're working with every day? 
So just as when we work with our students and get to know our students well to help us discern our next right thing with them, it's the same with working with adults. And a metaphor that I probably overuse, but it's something I think of every day is the number one rule in whitewater rafting is we have to be a part of our own rescue. And so when it comes to our well-being and our happiness, it's an inside job. We have to be a part of our, our, our own rescue. So when working with colleagues, understanding what that might mean for them, maybe it is trying to adjust a thought pattern from getting into the what ifs to more to an even if and help them be a little more active in their decision making. Maybe it's a small shift in action. What, what do we do before we enter into our classrooms or offices each day? And is that putting us in a healthy headspace or heart space? So just again, like we do with our students, it's knowing the person behind the title, the person behind the job. That's what will allow us to to talk with them and structure a conversation so that they, in fact, can be a part of their own rescue. And that takes work. It does take work. And it is attainable, though, isn't it? You've probably seen that shift yourself. Tell me about that. Absolutely. And the, the key is consistency. It's showing up every day, consistently working towards emotional wellness, happiness, contentment. I like to say in some of my keynote speeches that when we say teach happier, right, which is the name of the podcast and the book, that doesn't mean tra-la-la, high knees, good vibes only. Like that's not what that means. And that's never what we're talking about on this podcast either. It's feeling a little more steady in a very unsteady world or feeling a little more anchored or aligned or content. And that's what we mean by happiness. And that's unfortunately and fortunately an inside job. And we have a lot of agency when it comes to getting a little more anchored, content, aligned, and balanced. Gosh, for sure. And I mean, you know, as much as I do, the educators we work with, they're really struggling, right? They're struggling. So what is your approach to those teachers who push back uh, to the work that you want to do with them, but they kind of push back because they feel like you have to work with them? You know, those teachers, right? Yes. Yeah. And sometimes that's the case. Thankfully, in our school district, um, I'm from the Central Buck School District, which is the fourth largest district in Pennsylvania. So we're about an hour outside of Philadelphia. We have 23 schools. Thankfully, the culture in our school district is professional learning is just part of what we do. But you're right. In every <laughs> building, in every district, there will be a few folks that are just simply not interested in, in some of this work. And so what I try to do is understand a little bit more, again, understanding the person behind the title, what's going to motivate this person, what might affirm them when we do make a little bit of progress together. But at the end of the day, Charlie, if somebody is just really hesitant or adamant that they are not looking for support, I will just pull a little quote from Dr. Brene Brown, and I will just mm -hmm. ask them, what does support look like to you? You tell me. I've, I've given some suggestions. They have not landed well. So what does support look like to you? And then that really opens up an honest, vulnerable dialogue where I get to understand a little bit more where they are coming from. And then I can discern my next right thing and what levels of support could look like. Yeah. You know what? It's I think once you do that, it's like therapy, right? It's You can't make somebody do the work and change. It's, it's what, what is it that they want? So it's, it aligns so well, Suzanne, 
And I love that you said that because if you give them the table, if you let them share what their need is, then we can help meet their need better. I mean, leaders who listen to this constantly hear this from us is that we've got to meet their needs. They're feeling unheard, aren't they? They're feeling like they're undervalued and we're not we're not teaching happy that way. We're not teaching with enthusiasm that way. So I appreciate that you said that. And you you actually just did a, a recent episode too about um, what Dr. Brene Brown too. I think you really like what she says because she, I do love her. Tell, I love tell that a little bit point. about that because it, it does relate. So go ahead. So I, I just think she's such a, a wonderful teacher and she um, also gives great advice that I also share often is we're not here to be right. We're here to get it right. And you're correct that that was a recent episode as we're right now we're recording. It's before Thanksgiving. And so people are going to be around family of origin or friends they haven't seen in a long time or, you know, lots of extended family. And there's a lot of words and discussions and opinions just like there are at school, <laughs> lots of words, people, discussions, opinions. And so sometimes we just need to recognize what our role is in those conversations when those opinions are being shared. And it's not always a matter of being right. It's actually getting it right. What can we do to move the conversation further? What can we do to strengthen or nurture a relationship that takes consistent practice, how we're showing up for ourselves and our others. So when we walk away from a situation, whether it's around our family at home or our colleagues at work, we're walking away feeling content and aligned and balanced. Our inner values are matching our outer actions. But again, we can't just wake up and hope that happens. It takes work. It takes considerable, consistent action. And when we do that, as you know, Charlie, with all of your important work, that's what creates permanent positive change, showing up consistently. Absolutely. It's so true because that's where the trust is built too, especially with leaders who feel disconnected to their, their teaching staff, but yet they're trying so hard to connect as you probably see. Um, so what is it that you do with those teachers who are really feeling disconnected uh, and they're not feeling well. I mean, they're just really not thriving to, to be fair. And how do you get them to come around so that you can help them feel energized and feel well in their role, but they really do feel pretty down, but you know, down and out almost. So right. how do you approach that? Well, so much of it, I believe is just listening you know, we, we've all heard that most times people just want to be heard. And as an instructional coach or an instructional leader, sometimes we come in as being those, what Jim Knight calls an advice monster. We just want to advise something away. And that almost never works. And so, <laughs> you know, actively listening, listening with the intent to understand in order to help somebody often come to their own conclusion of what their next right thing is, how they can be a part of their own rescue. And there's so much coming at educators right now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so what is really important when I'm working with a colleague is to help them understand that there is still agency. They, they still do have a say in um, in what happens. So I like to remind them in not a weird way, it's going to sound weird when I say it in this context, but to let them know what positive psychologists tell us, like 10 to 20% of our lives is fixed. We cannot wish away, worry away, scroll away, exercise away, things like who our boss is, 
things like a school board policy, the weather, um, a, a health diagnosis. Those are things that are just what our life is. But that leaves 80 to 90% for us to influence or impact. So what we have to do as rational optimists is recognize that 10 to 20%. Okay, this is true. This new policy states this. And here's how we can be a part of our own rescue. Here's our next right thing. And so I think as human beings, sometimes we get stuck in that 10 to 20% because sometimes it's really heavy. It doesn't feel like 20%. It feels like 75%. But understanding where our agency is, where we can have a voice or a say. And again, that takes work. That's a bit of a cognitive and emotional lift to do that. But when we work through that, then we are able to make those small shifts in our thoughts, language, and actions to move through those things as a rational optimist and be as emotionally well as realistically possible. Because as you say too, Charlie, this is there's no space for toxic positivity right now. <laughs> I mean, it's no, just BS, isn't it? And and we call BS. And listen, educators are sick of fluff. We're sick of it. And leaders actually don't yeah. like fluff either. So it's it's good. Let's just get to this. That's my thing is like, what I get, I get it. Trust me, you and I both get why we get stuck there. But if we could just realize that let's not get stuck. Let's just figure out what the problem is and just solve the darn problem. The problem is the emotions get there. So, okay, let's talk about, let's talk about those teachers again, because I think leaders are really struggling with the teachers who are trying to work with you. You've got a really unique uh, position here that you can help, um, you can help principals work with their people better. Um, so those teachers who are, again, kind of down and out and they, they, they want to just kind of exit. They're like, I'm done. I really, I just don't want to be here anymore. So they, I think they're so unique and there's, there's a problem with retention in our, in our buildings. So right. when you talk with them, what is one other thing? Cause you've got a lot of them. I, I love that we're doing this. What is one other thing that you can say to them when you know they have to do a little bit of work, but their energy is just done. They truly are done. So how do you get them back? Or tell me a story about a time when you've gotten somebody to come back and what that's like. Right. And in this role as an instructional coach, I often say that I'm the middle part of the Venn diagram. I am a teacher, but I also work with administrators often. And so it's, you know, kind of dancing between those two worlds, which I do believe helps me help both both of those groups quite significantly. I agree. And let me let me say this because I know um and I'm so sorry I interrupted your thought no, there. Please. But what you just said, Suzanne, is crucial. And I think that's what leaders have to understand is you coming in as the outside person is actually going to help bridge that for them. So thank you for saying that. Okay, now let's go back because I interrupted your train of thought. I hope you No, you didn't at all. Because here's what, I teach every single day. I am actively teaching. Now, they're not my own students, but I'm teaching in other people's classrooms. So I know that what we did five years ago is not working today, right? So I'm able to be the voice of the teacher to the administrative team to say, listen, bless this looks great on paper, but in real life, here's where the hiccups might be. Conversely, when I'm working with um, my colleagues as teachers to say like, okay, here is the rollout plan, but here's what it could look like in this classroom with your teaching style in this particular group of kids, right? And so it's not just a, a simple copy paste, which really and truly years ago, we could kind of get away with 
doing that to a certain extent. Certainly what we do one year isn't going to be exactly the same, but we could kind of get away with that more or less. Whereas now, you know, we, we just can't do that. So one of my favorite stories is we have a special at the elementary level. It's kind of a STEM special and it's called Quest. And a, a third grade teacher or colleague called me. And here's what I love most about my job, Charlie. People will call me and say like, oh my gosh, Suzanne, I'm doing this amazing thing. You have to come see it because maybe we can share it with colleagues. Or they might say, I'm, I'm about to try something new and exciting. Can you be an extra set of hands? Love, love, love. But then this is my 12th year doing this job. And I have 600 colleagues who I work with it in our 15 elementary schools. They'll call me and say, the wheels are falling off. I don't know what's happening right now. Can you please come in and help? So here's what happened. This third grade teacher calls crying. This is a master teacher, okay? I would bring people into her room, new teachers to watch her teach. She's amazing. That's crying. Suzanne, I don't know what's going on. I don't recognize the teacher I am. I don't, I, I can't reach these kids. The only time I've got them is when they come back from Quest, that STEM special. I don't understand like, but, but like for that next 90 minutes, when they come back from that special, we can do anything. But the rest of the week, I, I can't capture that. So we talked to the Quest teacher. We observed together in the Quest classroom. And what we realized was the flexibility. Imagine a STEM special. They're the flexible seating, the hands-on approach, the, the discussion, the problem solving. So we thought, okay, what is it about the Quest classroom that we can bring into your third grade classroom? And so that's when we brought in some flexible seating options. We brought in some makerspace options. We brought in just choice and discussion. And as we brought them in, you know, a little gradually and explained to the students why we were trying that, we saw that 90 minutes of productive, engaged time slowly become two hours, slowly become four hours, slowly become outside of that Wednesday special. Wow. And so now she's got people coming back into her classroom to see the flexible seating, the maker spaces, the student choice, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really just the listening well enough to understand what is it that you want to bring into your classroom? Either what is it that you don't want to see anymore? Or what is it that you want to see? If you could wave a magic wand, what do you want to see? What do you want to feel? And then try to get creative to, to bring that into the room. So wow. that's one of my favorite stories. That's amazing. It truly just shows you that that process, like all the pieces there about you coming in, you just giving her a, a simple idea to go observe what's going on there to try to emulate yeah. some of those pieces, which she probably could have thought of, but she was so overwhelmed, right? That's where we get stuck. Exactly. So and that's the best PD is this classroom down the hall, right? Like we think we know what's happening in other grade levels or departments, but we don't. So you got to go see it. And then you think, Ooh, I could try this and that. Give it a try. Wow. It's I magic. Love, I love it. And it, it just makes sense. I mean, we got to lean on each other, right? Got to lean on each other. And so that probably energized that teacher quite a bit. I would imagine. Absolutely. Because it's like with our students, are we looking at it as classroom management? Are we managing our students? Are we managing our colleagues? Or is it classroom leadership? 
Are we letting our students lead? Are we letting our colleagues lead? And so that's exactly what happened. At first, I'm like, okay, how do we manage this problem? This wasn't a management issue. This was a leadership issue. She wanted to be empowered to go talk to a colleague, to observe, to figure out what she wanted to bring in. And now, as I shared, she's leading and consulting others with collegial visits in her classroom. It's amazing. Wow. that And that is how a great system works. It, it is, right? It's about bringing this in. And that is, it sounds like it was a pretty easy adaptation. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit, you know, you have to get the funding to get the flexible seating and, and all of that and kind of thinking, but listen, we're talking about educator wellness and, and helping people yes. feel good and energized in their role. That is something just spectacular. I, I love that. So when we're talking about um, a, educators who need to kind of take a little charge of their wellness that way and, and see that, what about behavior issues with kids specifically? Because that is, again, as you know, overwhelming our teachers so, so much. So how do you address that when you come to a classroom, you're working with the teachers, like, I don't know what to do about these student behaviors, like not just about engagement, but they are acting out. What do I do? So what do you do? Ooh, I mean, that is a huge question, right? Because the behaviors that we're seeing are just not the typical behaviors that we were used to a few years ago. Um, and so a lot of that is observations. A lot of it is talking with the student to understand what motivates them. Are they right? And, and there's only four ways human beings are motivated. This comes from Robin Jackson. Does the student, are they mass, motivated by mastery? Do they just not feel like they're good at that subject or that task? Is it autonomy? Do they need a little more choice? Do they need to understand here are the guardrails, here's where you could be flexible? Is it belonging? Are they looking to find who is there to help them? Or finally, is it purpose? Are they trying to better understand why are we doing this? Now, I know that that's a very overgeneralized way to look at it, but once we understand how kids are motivated, mastery, autonomy, belonging, purpose, then we can better understand our entry point with them. If they're, if I'm working with a student who is showing unexpected behaviors because they are just not good at long division, let's use that as the example. They just wanna learn how to get good at it. But if I'm sitting there, they're mastery, right? But I'm like, oh, Charlie, here's why understanding long division is so important. Charlie doesn't care. <laughs> Why? Right? It's the kid with the purpose wants that explanation. Correct. Okay. Whereas Charlie being motivated by mastery is like, can you just show me how to do this correctly? Oh, can you just sit great. down and, right? I don't know and about so, these four motivations. I don't oh my gosh. This comes from the brilliant Robin Jackson in her book, Motivating the Reluctant Learner. And so what she says is she calls these will drivers, Charlie. And she says, it's really magic because once we can identify a will driver, whether it's a student, a colleague, a family member, <laughs> then we it's magic because then we know our entry point with them, right? If I'm going to my principal and I want to ask for funding for the flexible seating, well, I need to know how my principal is motivated. Are they purpose-driven? Do they want to know why the flexible seating will help them? Hmm. Are they mastery? Do they need to know, okay, well, what's the process for me to get this funding? right? Is it belonging? Do they want to know who, who can we work with to make this happen? Or is it autonomy? Okay. Like if flexible seating is allowed, like what are, what's allowed and what isn't, what can we decide and what's predetermined? Then I can go in there guarded with the information I need 
to increase the likelihood that it's going to happen. So for the administrators that are listening, understanding your teacher's will drivers, how are they motivated? That's going to help with buy-in for new school initiatives, new curriculum rollouts, new building procedures, and making sure the secret is this, when we share the information, making sure it's not always our will driver. I am purpose. I want to know why we're doing things. I want to understand that what we do today matters in a week, in a month, in a year. But if that's how I'm going to start everything, that doesn't land as well for our mastery, our autonomy, or our belonging will driver motivated people. So again, as as leaders, knowing what motivates, because that's what will help us with our entry point for those conversations. Oh my gosh. I mean, you have so much it's great. I can't, no, I can't take any credit. That's all Robin Jackson. I know, but I use but it every you're day. You're, you're putting it in such great context to help someone like me who didn't, didn't know about it before, but totally makes sense. And we know where there's tons of evidence for all of that stuff. What you're doing is you're letting our listeners think, hmm, we need to step outside ourselves. How many times have we heard that? Let's step outside of our own egos. Yeah, I said it. Let's step outside of ourselves to now think about what the need of the other person is. And so and doesn't it seem so impossible and so hard, but it's one of four things yeah. each and every time. So when you're listening with intent, you're kind of filtering through. And here's how Robin Jackson says we understand will drivers. You listen to two things. What are they asking? What are their questions? What are they complaining about? Right? Mm. So someone who's saying like, oh, we just changed math programs. Why are we changing to this one? Purpose. Right. Wow. Um, yes. I know, need to I share just, that with yeah, my husband. Right. I just got good at teaching the old math program. Now I got to learn a new one. Mastery. Right. Yeah. Their questions and their complaints. Questions You'll hear it. And complaints. We have to keep it simple. I mean, that is simple. Yes. Good. Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. So now let's wrap this up because I know I've taken yes. a lot of your time up. So what? All right. When you do your keynotes, what is what is one theme that you have that you keep going back to to help leaders? Um, understand their teachers better or teachers to be kind of better leaders in their classroom? The theme is frustrating because the theme is happiness and well-being is an inside job. And we cannot rely on our partners, our colleagues, our bosses to do that work for us. It's an inside job. So making sure that we recognize that 10 to 20% we talked about earlier that we just can't change but more importantly, understanding that 80 to 90% that we can influence or impact. That is the underlining foundational understanding that really moves us through really great seasons and really challenging seasons as well, either personally or professionally. It's an inside job. I mean, I'm totally going to use that, Suzanne, just so you yeah. know. <laughs> Please Happiness. do. Happiness is an inside job. You all heard it here, Suzanne Daly saying it. And I know that you do it on your keynotes. I'm sure you share it there, your blog, your podcast. All right. Now you got to tell people where they can get you and scoop you up to do their next keynote <laughs> and professional development with their teachers. Well, thank you so much. The easiest way is to hop on my website, which is SuzanneDaly.com and all of the contact links and resource links are there for you. Okay. That's awesome. And yeah, I know we've connected in other places and there's so much more too. There's just so much more. So people please go check Suzanne out. SuzanneDaily.com. Is it .org or .com? 
com. Okay. Just yes, making sure. And daily has an E, E-Y at the end. So make sure you get check that out and listen, get the book, the book. I haven't ordered it yet. I promise. Oh, here she is. Oh, I'll, Charlie, I'll send it. it to you. I'll send her to you. Here she is. Look at that. That is so nice. That cover. And it's by, it's, it's uh, published by ASCD. So they're totally yes, correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You guys go check out Suzanne Daly's stuff. You need to get her work and get her in your building. Okay. Thank you so much for being here, Suzanne. Truly. Thank you, Charlie. All right. Okay. You guys, thank you so much for listening to the thriving educator podcast. You can go to thrivingeducator.org and just grab a new free resource that we have for you. It's called the school mental health audit. It'll just pop up when you get there. Just listen. I mean, we adults impact the health and wellness of our students. So you can use that to just check out the strengths and deficits of your current mental health system. And if you need another keynote, or you need help with school mental health, just go to thrivingeducator.org and just see how I can support you today. And our guest, Suzanne Daly, she can absolutely support you too. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you all. All right, let me turn this off here. And oh my goodness, I could talk to you for 